Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week in One Bad Mother, well, that's hilarious. We talk comedy with Emerson's comedic arts professor, John Reinman. Plus, Biz isn't ready for the holidays. Woo! This is a check-in. Yay! It's Friday. Happy Friday. Woo-hoo! Friday. We have a little tradition in my house uh, where after school on Fridays, after school pickup, we come home, I make some popcorn, we watch a movie. It's lovely. Uh, but today... I put the movie on for my kids, I started the popcorn, and I had to go to the bathroom. And I did that. And my children were screaming, screaming like the world was ending because I was in the bathroom. And (laughs) that may have resolved with me screaming something about, uh, I am allowed to pee! I am (laughs) allowed to poop! Like, not my finest moment. Anyway... The popcorn is now popped and distributed, and I'm going to sit with my kids until they, you know, yell for for seconds on the popcorn. (laughs) Anyway, happy holidays. Bye-bye. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Woo, holidays. Hey, yeah. Hey, first of all, you're doing a great job. I love this tradition that you have set up because that sounds like something that, in theory, gives you a slight break where they get to focus on something else. So I I like that. And, you know, I'll watch movies. I don't care what they are. I will sit and watch something with my kids. And two, I am there with you with the going to the bathroom and all hell breaks loose as if we have abandoned them on a sinking ship. I am like, like, I myself have, and I think I've shared this on the show, screamed at the top of my lungs, I am using the bathroom! But in my case, all the windows were open in the house. And I know for a fact that everybody heard me yelling that. And you're right. Doesn't feel good. Doesn't make you feel like a person or self in any way. And I I like to imagine now that in houses all over the place, when I hear like a voice being raised, it's just some parent yelling, I'm using the bathroom! (laughs) (laughs) Even now, even like Ellis is officially eight and Raiden, who is 12, I go to them and I say, look me in the eyes. I'm going outside to get something from the garage or look me in the eyes. I am going to the bathroom. Where am I going to be? The bathroom. Where? The bathroom. Okay. And then like a minute later, it, like, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? Where did I tell you I was going to be? I have no idea. What? I ju- we just had the conversation. So you are not alone. And it does make hashtag hiding in the bathroom very difficult. Very, very difficult. But you are doing a good job. Speaking of good jobs, it is time to say thank you. Well, let's just get right to it. Thank you, medical professionals. I will never tire of thanking you. Be you intake nurses, be you cleaning crews, be you the people who come and help people go into the bathroom that can't, or help flip people, or help change sheets and keep everything clean. Doctors, people giving vaccines, all of you, all of you are amazing. I would also like to thank people working in travel, especially right now during the holidays. It must be incredibly stressful for you, and I see you, and I appreciate not only the flight crews and people who work on the trains and people who drive buses, you are having to deal with people who uh, might be unpleasant, and... (laughs) 
I'm really, I just see you and I appreciate you. And I appreciate the cleaning crews that go in and keep the planes, trains, and automobiles as they were clean. I appreciate you. All the people who work in airports as well as in bus terminals and train terminals and car rental locations and all the places that we come in contact with during the holidays if we are traveling, thank you for all that you are doing because it is a shitty time of year to be working in that. I waited tables for a million years and I bartended for a million years in one of my lives. And there's several holidays I would work, no problem. I had no problem working. I, I would work Christmas Eve, not a big deal. I would work Thanksgiving, not a big deal. But I never wanted to work during the Alabama-Auburn college football game or New Year's Eve because both of those would be the surliest, like rudest, emotionally sensitive, and very drunk evenings. And I just hated it. It was just so, ugh, it was the worst. So I just assume it's that times 100. So I see you and thank you. Thank you, teachers and school staff and librarians. I, you know, it's coming. Teacher, thank you, gift time. It's the holidays, and I wish for you teachers things that you actually enjoy, or just cash. I, I hope you just get some fucking cash. I hope you know how much we all appreciate you, because it's the holidays, and everything's going to get extra nuts. Speaking of holidays, this is where I am. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for the holidays. I mean, we got through Thanksgiving, and that was fine. It was great. It was wonderful. But then we had Ellis's birthday. So Ellis had a birthday, and then we had a birthday party this weekend, which, by the way, will be definitely part of my fail. It was not like, it, it wasn't a rager, guys. It just was poorly, very poorly planned. But fun was had by all. And there was the, you know, for people who care and know about me, there was the Southeastern Conference Championship football game in college where Alabama was playing. Yay, roll tide. But that was also a lot of energy. And now I'm like, oh my God, for us, Christmas is coming. And that, I'm not ready. I am not interested in it. I'm not ready for it. Stefan is playing Christmas music. I mean, at least we wait till December 1st in this house. But I literally, like every morning I wake up and he's got Christmas music on and I kind of hate it. Then in the evening, he plays it as well. And I kind of hate it. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just not ready for that Christmas music. So that's that's the place that I'm in. It's not very jolly. I'm not like, ah, fuck Christmas. I'm just not at all there. I'm just not even remotely interested in it at the moment. Also, happy Hanukkah. You, you're done. <laughs> you're done by now. So good job getting through it. Also, you know, families are back and traveling. Ah, I just, I just not ready for it. It's also, now we have to be ready, many of us, for family being together. And last year, a lot of people got a break from families being together. And this year, people are going to want to family it up. There's going to be a lot of things uh, that aren't funny in terms of travel. Like, let's say you are from an area that loves masking loves masking and vaccinations. And now you've got to travel to see someone who does it. And you got to make that call where it's like, fine, you don't have to wear one, but we're all going to wear one. And and to be honest, I have to tell you, this is, I just got to tell you, it, it should not be a big fucking deal if you choose to wear a mask. You are respecting their right to not wear one. And you are wearing one. Why is it always then the one who's not wearing it seems to be the one who picks the fight first. Whoa, why are you wearing those panties on your face? Anyway, I don't understand that. But I. Bleh. it will also be a time in which we will all discover that many of us have a different sense of humor <laughs> from those we have gathered with. And it's also a time to wonder if anything's funny, which I think ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today, which really is just comedy. We just have a big old comedy conversation with the comedic arts professor of Emerson University, John 
Reinman. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are talking to John Reinman, who is a stand-up comedian and comedic arts professor at Emerson College. He has written for WWE and was the head monologue writer for Late Night and The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon. He co-created the adult party card game, Antisocial Skills, which you can purchase at, I hope I say this right, askhills.com. Uh, thank you. The Southern accent, I think, really helps with the pronunciation. <laughs> of this, askhills.com, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This spring, he is hoping to release Nine Lies, a book of short stories he began during lockdown. Welcome, John. Thank you. Well, you know what? I think I prayed, <laughs> from the sounds of it, I might have prayed a little too hard for more time to finish that lockdown project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Don't pray that hard. I know. I it's know. Like, I'm man, just like, I just need to find some way to sit down and finish this. And then fate was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Here's you, what is how about Om- a new Omicron or whatever. It was <laughs> like, like a new variant. Everybody remember when your kids are home from school again, <clears> indefinitely. <throat> Yeah. Uh, that it's John's fault. <laughs> yeah. John- <laughs> well, hey, but you'll have something. You'll have something you won't have time to read at least. That's right. So it'll That's work right. out for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John. Before we get into this, I would love to get to know you and avoid some of the more traditional questions by sure. asking you who lives in your house. Make of that what you will. Well, as I'm <laughs> often reminded, where I am right now is not my house. It's Ooh! it. It is, as my mom points out, it is her house. I'm right now um, up at my parents' place in New Hampshire, where I'm finishing out teaching a semester at Emerson. My dad's got some kind of, you know, some health issues. And, um, you know, so just spending some time with him when I can and help my mom out when I can. Not very good at it, but man, I try. Good trying. Um, you know me, I'm a, lo- I'm, a, I'm a useless millennial. Oh, yeah. It's always... <laughs> The, the comeback is so, so tempting to just say, well, who raised me? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, you just walk away and <laughs> you take the loss because that's what millennials do. And then we say, well, I, I tried and we got our yeah. trophy. That's, that's all it is. <laughs> and there are children not with you in this house. My daughter, Sadie, is here yep. quite a bit. She loves New Hampshire. Well, it's so funny because like up until... I was kind of planning on right after the new year, like, all right, so where do I go? Do I go back to Boston? Do I go back to New York? Like, what's going to be? And now it's kind of uncertain again. But, like, one of the things that makes that tough is she loves New Hampshire and she she loves Grammy's house and she loves yeah. going outside and, you know, looking at the moon. and The things you don't get to see in Boston and New York. <laughs> well, yeah, she's still – that's that's how I got – she lives close to Boston uh, yeah. with her mother when she was with her mom. And so – what the the appeal of New Hampshire is that like when we were looking and there was a, a deer outside yeah. and it was uh, up again. It, it was doing that thing where like I don't know if they're like uh, giving like uh, like a hoof manicure on the tree, you know that thing where they like <laughs> yeah, take yeah, their yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, scratch it for some reason, and uh, the, and so the deer's like up on the tree like with the bark, and I go oh Sandy look and I take her over, and she goes whoa and we're looking at the same thing, and she, I I knew she needed more time in New Hampshire and she turned to me and she goes. Is that a kangaroo? And I said, okay, oh, no, we need wow. to. What is your mother teaching you? Yeah, we're going to visit Grammy a little bit more often. So you get to you get to see. I was like, it's a deer. Here, She's like, Here's a question. Uh, how old is she? 22? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and weed is legal here. So yeah, yeah it definitely. Yeah. No, she's, uh, she's four and a half. She was four, about four at the time. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, she just really likes being outdoors and yeah. doing all that sort of stuff. And um yeah, she's one of those people that, like, I, t- I took her up to the, the Polar Caves, which is this uh, state park in New Hampshire where it's just what it sounds like. It's a bunch of caves you go through. Um, <laughs> and you're not going to believe this. Uh, when you're in your 30s, it's somehow harder than it was when you were oh. six or seven. It's Yeah, huh. yeah it's weird. Yeah. You're in better shape to do this Here. thing. And so she was going right through it like uh, American Gladiators. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was uh, just kind of um, sort of barely making it through. Keeping. <laughs> Keeping it. 
Yeah, I was pretty close to just giving her the keys and being like, look, yeah, man, if you, need to, if you no, if you need to take off, I get it. Oh. And I'll just and just 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 tell them where I am and they'll they'll come get my stuff. Just circle back. Circle back. Yeah. So uh so she's four and a half and uh and yeah. she's she's a delight. Oh, well that's nice. I'm gonna pick through all of that to determine that you are uh, in a shared custody situation. So do you mind telling me like how much time do you get with with her like I mean you don't have to go into the like whole document right but like <laughs> I don't need all the details <laughs> no I mean I, I see her I see her oh, uh, cool. Friday through Sunday you know it just happened to work out mm. or not work out either way you look at it that I was raised Catholic and uh my ex was raised yep. Jewish and so we have oh, different holidays boom. yeah so it's just like there's nice. no problem there where it's just kind of uh you know, it's like Hanukkah, Passover over there and Christmas, Easter uh, with me, you know, and then we kind of alternate New Year's and Thanksgiving. And but as a stand up, that kind of works out because it's like, you know, a big night for stand up is the Friday after Thanksgiving. And then a big night for stand up is New Year's Eve. So it's kind of like, you know, you adjust either way. And so like this year, I'm doing New Year's Eve shows and then probably next year I'll do the Friday. And that's kind of how it works out. And, um, you know, there hasn't been much challenge yet because you know, yeah. we the, it was official during the during COVID, and so we've been in the same area because I've been working in in Boston, and uh, even before that, uh, was in in Connecticut at WWE. So there hasn't been a whole lot of like territorial stuff, but you know, we'll see. It's kind of just kind of playing <laughs> it by ear, but um, kind of crazy. I I one of the things in talking to people, I get to understand that all kinds of shit's happening in the world that I just am like, oh, I never thought about that. For example, when babies see you putting on a mask, they're like, we get to go out. It used to be keys, right? And now they're like, I get to go out. And a lot of people born, a lot of kids, like, you know, never been in a school until now, right? Like it's all this crazy shit. But the notion of having a divorce finalized during COVID, is that correct? And then, and then the world comes yeah. back into like, and everything's like on paper. Yeah, this is great. And then the world reopens, yeah. and it's like trying to go back to work or go back to school on steroids. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we said this was going to be great, but this is all shut down, and you know, like. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, my ex and I met in two thousand nine. It was right before I got hired at Fallon, and we met at a Beach Boys concert in Boston at the Hat Shell. And so we were in in the sea of almost half half a million on yeah. the Hat Shell because it was they always was just way overbooked for the Beach Boys. And then we happened to sit next to each other. And so the, yeah. that was the nice story for all those years was that like, you know, oh God, out of all those thousands of people, we were next to each other. And that's my favorite band from when I was a kid. And then when we actually had our divorce, it was on Zoom. That's and so, so it's sort of a... Crazy. Isn't that weird? <laughs> and so it's so it's like we we met we met yeah. in a sea of that of ha, of four hundred fifty thousand people, and then we <laughs> we divorced in a oh in a Zoom God. chat of four this or five the... people. And I always joke I always joke to people that so it's like we met yeah. in front of thousands, and then we divorced online, which is reverse. the Boston yeah. reverse relationship. Because <laughs> in Boston, yeah. you meet online, and then you and then yeah. you fight and break up right. in front of thousands of people. This is at, at the Fourth of July, or so like, that's it. You know, like, I'm I'm done with you, Susan. <laughs> Quit, and leave. you know that, and then that's it. Yeah, we had, it, we had the leave, opposite. And no yeah. one can leave a Zoom like without yeah. it being awkward. Like, where's the button? I can't. Like, that's super. Yeah, we all. It was. Yeah, it was this weird thing. So, yeah, that you are a comedic arts professor at Emerson and uh, Mm -hmm. you're not the first Emerson person we've had on. I guys, I live a regret free life, except I didn't take the acceptance to Emerson a million years ago. You got accepted and you didn't go. We're not even going to go into the like, like then eight years of three different colleges dropping out, quitting. Like I could have just gone to fucking Emerson and been done with it. But um, so I love Emerson is a special place in my heart. But as a as a person mm-hmm. who not only does stand up and has written comedy and teaches comedy i actually the notion of the too soon question so mm. you know i was in new york doing stand up uh when september 11th happened in fact my sketch group was supposed to do a show the next night like our first show and that oh was we did not do it 
FYI. But yes. it was really interesting. It was like such an interesting <laughs> time. Like all the comedians. All right, <laughs> we need a suggestion. <laughs> yeah. Stop. I got it. Got it. Anyway. All right. Thank you for coming, <laughs> Mr. Don't Mayor. Do it. Okay, good. Where's my car? Okay, it's right over here, Rudy. I'm already weird. Nobody realizes yet. So, okay, that's fine. Uh, all right. But oh. like we would go, like all of our friends were stand-ups, and it was really interesting to see just how everything sort of stopped. And then the process mm -hmm. of working through that tragedy through stand-up, like going and seeing friends do stand-up. You know, where they're really, for a long time, a lot of people were like, I can't do anything. There's nothing fucking funny right now. Like, I can't find a single yeah. joke mm -hmm. or anything. And then came the process yeah. of trying to get back up because it's a muscle. And then, like, watching and supporting people as they tried to do that. Like, I think humor is so good at helping people work through stuff. So I am thinking about the pandemic. I'm thinking about COVID from your view you know as a professor in your experience what what has the impact of of the pandemic been on comedy is that a is that even a question that's answerable <laughs> well i i think i i think that for yeah. comedians i think that for people who are out and doing stand-up um well here's what i'll say we're starting to notice is that when it first came back i was skeptical and I did not initially plan on coming back. I had mm. not missed it at all during lockdown. Um, you know, I I wasn't particularly uh, enthralled with the idea Sharing of doing stand-up <laughs> as a... Well, no, but I mean, yeah. just, just telling jokes as a... Like, I, I was a yeah. totally different person now. You know, I was used to all those years of kind of like being... You know, whenever you're... When you're write yourself in a corner or you have writer's block or things aren't working, whatever, you can always fall back and, oh, I'm the dumb guy in yeah. a relationship and blah, 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 blah. And I didn't have that anymore. And so I didn't know who, really who I was. And so, but I had been writing during lockdown. I'd been trying to write these short stories and, um, which were, Twitter. it's like, it's made up stories about real people. So it's little things like if, you know, that, that awful joke about like, yeah. other than that, Mrs. Right. Lincoln, how was the play? And so my story is, yeah. well, what if she answered and like had a really detailed <laughs> review play. of the play? And so, yeah. and, and, and she's just vicious. And so like, it was that sort of stuff. That to be funny. Yeah. But, but, and, but like on the spot, she's like, she's like, like, well, this person was <laughs> chewing scenery. So it's like, you know, so I did a bunch of those and then I just, you know, wrote some news jokes on days when I was just waiting on other stuff just to kind of feel because, you know, I, I still love joke writing and I still love the idea of monologue writing. It'd be great to go back to that someday uh, some way. But, um, you know, I think that I did have enough written. I said, oh, I do have some jokes. And well, and then I had a friend in Tennessee who said, do you want to come do my club? And I figured, well. You know, if I'm going to go out and bomb, right. might as well bomb. I mean, no one's going to know me there. No one's going to see. But I didn't. It went great. And every show went better than the next the whole weekend. And then I kind of started, you know, it's that thing for social media where bookers see you on. They're like, hey, I saw you did that. And you're like, and then a month in, you're like, oh, yeah. no, I'm doing stand-up again. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, ah, I, was, I successfully quit. Finally, no one needs me doing this. And I don't, and you're just like, oh, okay. It was this great boom where just everything was working. If you just had some, you know, I wrote this whole bit about oh, yeah. the murder hornets of all things. And uh, it was such a weird, like, hard to follow bit, but it was killing. And it was because audiences Ow. were just thrilled to be out and everyone oh, was yeah. hanging on every word. Everyone was listening. And I was like, we kind of we were looking at each other. And then some people, everyone was like, man, this is like feeling like. Yeah early 2000s or like the 80s like this is like the boom again where it's like everything's like every stand-up's hot and then i kind of <laughs> said i was like well there there will be a market oh, yeah. correction at some point where audiences yeah. become audiences again and people do start looking at their phones and people do um start sort of calming down and they're like well i've been out four nights this week this isn't that big of a deal and i do think we're kind of getting there i've 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 uh, been on a couple shows lately where there were new bits that never happened just because yeah. I was like, nope, not with these people. Um, and so I think we're kind of there. And I, but long story short, it's been fun <laughs> for us. Now, on the other yeah. hand, for students, I think a lot of people underestimated how difficult it would be 
particularly for college students yeah. and for Gen Z. I think everyone has this preconceived notion of them and they look at them and kind of think of them as kind of just being isolated anyway and kind of think of them as, uh, you know, be, well, they're always on their phones. They're always on Netflix or, you know, whatever. And or Instagram. And uh, I kind of wondered about that, too. I thought they would thrive. No. And they did not. And it's just you remember that these are people who are not yet 22 years old. You know, they're all about 20, 21. First yeah. of all, this is a shock for them. They did not go through 9-11. They weren't even here yeah. for OJ, you know, so they don't know. They weren't here for any yeah. Clinton or any of that stuff. This is their first. And so this is like their first. And I mean, then yeah, even I was gonna Trump. Say it did come after Trump. <laughs> yes, but for them, but for them, they weren't impacted. A lot of them, a lot of you know, it's still we live in a country where, you know, at a yeah. lot of liberal arts colleges, they're creative people, and so that either you're either born into privilege or you right. you you earn privilege through being a good performer and being right. funny and outgoing, and so even the Trump stuff to them, you know, they knew he'd be gone by the time they were really paying taxes and everything, and so or really had to make decisions, and so they were kind of just really as they should have been laughing at the rest of us for this is what you guys did. Ha ha. Screw (laughs) you for the next four years. And then, but I think that they were really rattled. And I think that it, it's, it's continued into this year in a way that I think has been surprising to many people in that even though there aren't as many restrictions and even though you can go to the dining hall again, and even though you can go out I do think a lot of these students are feeling the residual effects of the psychological challenges of last year. And I, I think there's some kids that are either toughed out last year right. and are just fried right now and are really just trying to figure out how to make it through. And then I think there's other kids that took a gap year and they admitted yeah. they were rusty. They were coming back and they were like, I'm struggling hitting deadlines and, and, and getting crews together. Well, you also have kids who weren't in college before, like, you know, you've got freshmen who are coming yes. in as sophomores now and didn't have a freshman but year. Noticed, and I, yeah. I, I just the notion that anybody is coming out of the last year and a half, like completely 100 percent is is such a nobody false is narrative. nobody's 100 percent completely. And I I think in particular, any kid, I mean, kids are you know, 25 and under, because I'm old. (laughs) But like, when it comes to humor, not only over the last couple of years has there been the pandemic, which is really not funny. There's been a lot of political upheaval. There's been a lot of what people love to like big news shows and all that like to talk about when it comes to I don't like the phrase political correctness. I'm not sure I'm a big fan because I feel like that's very sweeping and generalizing. But there has been a lot of, no, that's not, that's not funny anymore. And to be fair, there are lots of things that, that aren't, that we we probably, I always would describe it as you got to work harder for the joke. If it was an easy joke. Yeah. And it's, you know, pissing half the people off, then you're not trying hard. Like you need to make it a better joke. Right. So that's my question. So, Given all of the things, and I think generationally this can happen over and over. It's not like this is the first time people have come along and said, don't do those kind of jokes or whatever. But as a teacher, how do you, I mean, are these, do these kids have a sense of humor anymore? Do they feel, do they feel comfortable being funny? Like, do you see these influences affecting? Here's what I'll say. I think that Gen Z, first of all, Gen Z is super talented. So everyone out there that's like, um, you know, I see some people right now that I respect a lot and they're, they're trying to go to work on Gen Z. And I'm like, yeah. I would not do that if I were you. I'm like, because they are inherently more talented than <laughs> our generation. Uh, they've, be- there are because they've, yeah. they've had technology and they've learned how to use it and they know how to do Instagram and TikTok and, and programming and all that stuff better than we do. And they, they're self, they're all creators, whether they want to be or not. They've, they've learned how to do yeah. that in high school, whether or not that's what they want to do. And they're also very curious and there's this, this kind of quest for knowledge on their part. And so they really do 
you know, uh, instead of brushing away st news stories from 10, 20 years ago, they'll go right to Wikipedia and then they'll go down a rabbit hole of every single <laughs> article about it. And that's all they want to talk about. And so something as vague yeah. as like Heaven's Gate, oh, yeah. that cult from 1997, that was a big obsession at Emerson last year was there was a documentary about it. And a lot of my students were like into it. And I was like, that's if you look, I'm, it's a dark analogy, but like when I was a kid, right. I didn't know about Jonestown. Like I didn't know what that was. So it's like, they're better than us and they're, 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 they're going to be bigger and better and smarter and funnier. And they've already learned they, they're growing up in an era of yeah, going uh, for yeah, the better. Yeah, joke. No, that's true. They've never had to. Yeah. So they're, they're constantly always trying yeah. and they're very competitive. And so I'll just say it. Like when I see like Dave Chappelle go to his high school and make fun of those kids, Okay, Dave maybe can get away with it, but all those like, yeah. you know, the Dave groupies that uh, are, you know, that pile on with those kids. I'm like, who do you think you're going to be pitching to in five years? And it, it's going to be well, one of those kids. Like yeah. if you go to an executive, yeah, if you go to a pitch somewhere, yeah. the first the first line of defense for that production company is going yeah. to be someone who's like 28 years old. And they're probably going to be smarter than you because they're going to know the market better. And if you come in there as someone who has right. a mocking attitude towards them, your, your meeting's not going to last five minutes. And if it does, they're just going to use it to listen to you and make fun of you later. So it's like. Well, but it's, it's true that like when you say, well, maybe Dave Chappelle can get away with it. You know, I, I do think just as trying to write the better joke, you've got to be keenly aware of if you can get away with that joke. Is, are you the type of person who can tell that joke? But I think that's the thing is that, you know, that's a thing. That's yeah. a misnomer too, in my opinion. Right. The who can tell this joke thing. It's like, and in my opinion, if it's a, and I'm, again, sure. I'm just a joke writer I and a teacher. I just teach comedy so that's what I always a living. It as. It's not a, like, it's okay. I, I have very little <laughs> investment. Well, hey, yeah. that doesn't mean I'm right. <laughs> but um, I'm just saying that, like, from what I've seen, any great joke, there's a way of mm. everyone doing it. It's just sure. the way you frame it and the way you deliver it. And the great example of that is so many of these people who are the, the anti-cancel culture supposed comics that are that are coming forward with and, and especially the people on the right side of the spectrum and posting clips about George Carlin, like, see, George, he'd think you guys are all wimps. I'm like, have you listened to George Carlin? Because I'm sorry, because I'm sorry. The two the two top two comedians at that period, and then most people still have them, number one and number two, are, yeah, are Carlin Pryor. and Pryor. And there's a lot of overlap there, but it's just they said it yeah. differently. And so and so you get two jokes out of it, but yeah. they're saying kind of the same thing. And Carlin's bit about yeah. the big club that, you know, it's that they're all in the same big club and you and me aren't in it. And it's like that to me is like I'm like, that's such a great way of doing it. And he really and but he goes to the, the effort of I'm going to explain to you why you think you're all privileged, but you're not. I, I certainly remember running into a lot of comedians who did not understand that there was a lot of work, effort and self-reflection in their work. I made my buddies in my basement laugh when we were all drunk and stoned. And now I'm going to get on stage and do it. And just like, I clearly <laughs> right. deserve all the accolades, right? Which is like always, you know, 70% sure. of who you have to do stand up with, right? But then the reason yeah. Carlin and Pryor and the reason you're saying that people could share, tell the same joke, but differently, to know when it's you who needs to put it off on yourself to know when you go aggressively, that takes a great deal of consideration and self-awareness. You know, in my opinion, I think that that is something people do not give a lot of credit to comedians for. I mean, obviously, you want it to look effortless, but. Well, what I, what I see a lot of is comics getting frustrated right. with stuff not working and like, look. That if the audience is it's like if you're like, I don't get why people don't like this, it's been working all the time on uh when I've been opening yeah. for Rogan down in Austin. Okay, that's that audience. <laughs> and then, the, other then there's other and then right. there's other people who are like Why don't those women think I'm funny at the now convention? <laughs> you know, everyone everyone yeah, everyone cracked everyone cracked right. up here at the set of on the set of Fox, Fox and Friends, but no one liked me when I went out in the side. It's like the comics accusing everyone of mm. being soft. I'm like, hold on a second. Aren't you the one that went on a, a Twitter diatribe about how you're mad that someone didn't laugh at your joke? Well, also, after a year and a half of being in, we are all stuck in our little corners. Are you not arguing yeah. with high school kids yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right now? 
who are who are by the way yeah, beating the you in the That's argument. Right. It's so funny. There's so many comedians mm. becoming who they once mocked. Oh, yeah. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to totally but I mean there's people in mainstream comedy right now who are not getting great reviews and not getting great ratings and still kind of lecturing. And I'm like, you are who you made fun of 10 years ago. <laughs> and that's what we'll link everybody up to is John Reinman's video spectacular. You have just become <laughs> who you used to make fun of. John, thank you so much for joining us. And glad to know that you're out there working with these different kids wanting to come up in comedy. It's good to know things are still funny. Well, hopefully I'm doing my best. <laughs> and if not, remember, just like we said at the beginning of the show, we'll all blame John. We'll make sure. <laughs> sure. I'm used to it. I've been, yeah. Oh, believe me. I'm used to getting blamed. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much, Biz. One Bad Mother is supported in part by StoryWorth. This holiday season, give your loved ones a gift that makes them feel special and unique. Give them StoryWorth. I've talked about StoryWorth, guys. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice. They can be anything from like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? You could also ask things like, what's the thing that you hid from your parents? <laughs> and then after a year, StoryWorth takes all of their answers and compiles it into one beautiful keepsake book. You could even get StoryWorth for different members of your family and then ask them all the same questions and see if they remember things the same way. I love it. With StoryWorth, you're giving a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash badmother and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash badmother to save $10 on your first purchase. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Billy. The seasons may be changing, but your self-care routine shouldn't have to. Freshly shaved skin feels great in any weather, especially slipping in to Gucci pants. That's what we call them in our house. Gucci pants. Billy is designed to be the best razor for women at half the price you'd expect. I really enjoy using my Billy and it really does in fact feel good sliding into Gucci pants. Don't suffer another second paying a pink tax for a bad shave. Go to mybilly.com slash mother to get the best razor you will ever own while supporting this show. Billy is half the price of other razors plus free shipping always. Just go to mybilly.com slash mother. Spelled my B-I-L-L-I-E dot com slash mother. That's mybilly.com slash mother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Genius me. Me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. All right. Oh, it's such a good story. I'm so excited. Okay. I'm going to try and keep it short. So, uh, as many of you know, because I talk about everything on the show, Raiden uh, has to have some adult teeth pulled uh, in regards to the orthodontics. We have a tiny little mouth and giant teeth, and we've been putting it off for a while. I finally get an appointment for us to see the oral surgeon who is recommended by my orthodontist. We go in. And like immediately, I'm a little put off because when we get into the like the room where we're going to be sitting, the chair, the 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 chair that you sit in, the exam chair is like from 1960. And I say, huh, to the nurse who's coming in with us, huh, that's a that's an old chair. Uh, that's interesting. And the nurse is like, well, we did install a whole series of you know, top of the line new chairs, but the team just didn't want to adjust 
to how it worked. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. I'm like, <laughs> then, so Raiden sits in the chair and I sit over on the side. And then in comes another woman who seems very familiar with what everything is happening. They're like very like, hello, Raiden, and blah, 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 and like touching Raiden and like saying hi to me. And, but no one's introduced themselves. So I say, oh, are you Dr. So-and-so? And she goes, no, no. And I was like, all right, that's weird. And then in comes a man who also didn't introduce himself, just kind of came in and started looking at files and stuff. So I say after a nice pause, are you Dr. So-and-so? <laughs> yes. And then the woman who I had asked first says, <laughs> they thought I was the doctor. Isn't that funny? Oh, well, I guess that more women are starting to be doctors. And I thought, where are we? What are we? Is this chair indicative of like a time change, like a time travel? Have we gone through some sort of portal? All right. Now I, I have already made this not a short story. Uh, okay. Basically, this doctor, it was horrible. Like they don't explain anything. They just sort of jump right to, well, we're going to just pull those teeth out. It'll be easy. And I'm like, uh, look, I've been to consultations, okay? This is not a consultation. So I start asking questions to kind of prompt him to give the information that I feel Raiden needs to hear and I would like to hear. I want to make him do the song and dance. And this is what I'm going to, I'm just going to put it this way. Many of you will understand when I say this, but he spoke to me like... I was just a woman. And I, like, in the worst of ways. Like, he spoke in such a condescending and defensive tone. That, I mean, it was shocking. It was shocking. And I hated it. But I'm... <laughs> and then when we finally get to the end of this, he's like, so uh, we'll make an appointment and see you. And Raiden says... I would like to speak to my mother in private. And his face got very twisted. And I was like, of course you can speak to me in private. And I stand up and I look at him. And then he takes a lot of time leaving the room, which was annoying. And I walk up to Raiden and I hold Raiden's hand and we look into each other's eyes. And Raiden says, I do not. And before they can finish it, I said, I'm not letting that person anywhere near you. We are never coming back here. This man is certainly not going to do your tooth removal. And we, you know, I said, but I'm going to smile my way out of here. Okay. And then we're going to get in the car. Right. And Raiden was like, okay. And I was like, okay. And then we got in the car and I was like, Raiden, I want to be very clear with you. That person was an asshole. <laughs> and Raiden was like, yes, they were. Anyway, my genius is... I have no, I, 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 would, I would like this to reflect upon our parenting, but I, I just was so proud of Raiden advocating for themselves and asking to speak to me privately, as well as proud of Raiden for recognizing that what was happening in that room was not a good fit for us. So I'm counting that as a genius somehow. I, I don't know, but I love my kid. And uh, everybody, there are lots of doctors out there who do lots of procedures. If you get to one that you don't like, there's another one that you will like. Okay, that's it. This is a holiday reminder genius <laughs> that came to me as I was wrapping up my kids' presents. If you are giving a present <laughs> to a young kid, take it out of the packaging before you wrap it. Because the two-year-old does not care at all mm. about the cool box that his dump truck came in. <laughs> but he will have a tantrum if he cannot get to his dump truck right now. And the last thing you need in the middle of a family holiday celebration, which is already high stress, is a small child melting down while you try to cut the 37 tiny mm. plastic tab things with oh, your yeah. keys. You, ah! When you've got your wrapping stuff out, you've already got your scissors. Cut it out of the packaging. Throw away the boxes. The boxes just have ads for more toys on them half the time. <laughs> and put batteries in. Or, I don't know, 
even better, take the batteries out of the toys, ah. tape over the speakers so they're not so loud. Everything you need to get it ready to be instantly played with <laughs> after opening. And um, I've done this for years, and it has always made my mornings a little bit smoother. That's it. Y'all are doing a great job. So are you. This is a wonderful holiday reminder because it's definitely a genius. We've talked about before on the show because it's important. I don't know. Like, it makes life so much easier. Not only the batteries. Glad you mentioned the batteries because, good God, even if you have batteries set aside, you still got to get a little screwdriver out. You got to screw everything. You got to put everything on the thing. You got to re-screw it back. And they're like, gimme, gimme, gimme. And other kids are like, can I open my other presents? And you're just like, ah. So going ahead and getting the batteries in there and cutting all those little, even if you want to leave it in the box, you can still free it from the binds that hold it and get batteries in it and then kind of shimmy it back in with a little tape. You're doing a great job. And this is a wonderful reminder. Thank you. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, me. Okay. Ellis had a little birthday party on Saturday, and it was like three friends, and which is very manageable, and all outdoors at our house, which is just a barren wasteland of cardboard boxes. And cinder blocks, because that's how we like to decorate outside. We like to start projects and then never finish them. So we've got all these things planned that they want to do. Really, I just want to get to the fail, which is the party started at 12. And in the little email I sent out, I said, you know, there's going to be some, like, food. There'll be, like, some bagels and, you know, cucumber, like, food, food, right? I waited until the day of the party, to go get everything that we needed to get, I realized while I was all the way across town where the party supply place was to get a pinata at the very last minute, that I didn't bring any of my cards. All I could pay with is my phone, right? And so I had to like puzzle together different targets to try and find food and no food. No food. All the bagels were like rock hard, gross. And then I was like, what else do kids eat? I don't know. Nothing. And so (laughs) these four kids showed up at 12 and they got cherry Coke with the approval of all of their parents because Ellis wanted something special. A lot of candy, like a crazy amount of candy, guys. One kid was just wandering around with a ring pop, like hanging out of their mouth, right? Like they were at a rave. And then popcorn. And potato chips. And that is what I just, nothing good probably came of that when they got home because it was just like on whatever empty stomach they had. But yeah, that felt like, (laughs) just like a shitty table, guys, with some water on the tent because I didn't buy anything else. Anyway, oh well, oh well. Hi, I'm calling with a fail. It's a (laughs) super dumb fail. I have a three-year-old, and you have to drink those, like, breakfast essentials, shake, <laughs> according to his pediatrician, and so it's basically chocolate milk. So we talk a lot about chocolate milk in this house, chocolate milk, chocolate milk, chocolate milk, and I'm kind of sticking with him, like, always drinking chocolate milk. And so one day, I got out the regular milk, and I poured him a cup, and they said, I don't want that. I want chocolate milk. And I said, it is chocolate milk. It's just white chocolate milk. <laughs> the other one's brown chocolate milk. And so then we kind of have, like, little thing where we were, you know, this is the white chocolate milk and the brown chocolate milk. But the fail is that now he will ask me for chocolate milk and then I'll get out the brown chocolate milk and pour him a cup and then he gets mad that I gave him the wrong chocolate milk. He wanted the white chocolate milk, not the brown chocolate milk. And really, it's not chocolate milk. It's just milk. And I made up this lie. And now I'm getting yelled at for giving him... The not chocolate milk, chocolate milk. So I suck. Don't lie to your kids, guys. <laughs> oh, anyway, thanks for having I love this fail. First of all, let's all honestly say how genius it was to call milk white chocolate milk. I think that's motherfucking genius because my children don't drink milk. For whatever reason, the day it came out of the bottle and was in a cup, 
they were like, we don't want this. And if only I had told them it was chocolate milk, I would have been happy to deal with the fallout if they just still drank the milk. So there is the genius in your fail sandwich. Now, yes, the lies. I actually think it's fine to lie to your children, especially in situations like this, but it always will come back. There will always be a fallout. Whether the fallout is being completely called out on the lie and then being very mad at you for lying, or the situation that we have here in which they want to live the lie. They want to live the lie forever, and it just becomes annoying for you. So I am sorry that you are such a good liar. You're doing a horrible job telling the truth. (laughs) You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I Well, Manolo, we have a show to promote. It's called After Game Show. It's a family-friendly podcast where listeners submit games and we play them with callers from around the world. Oh, sounds good. New episodes uh, happen every other Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. It's a a fast and loose oasis of absurd innocence and naivete. Are you writing a poem? No, and just saying things from my memory. And uh, it's a nice break from reality. <laughs> Is that, are we allowed to say that? I don't know, it sounds bad. It comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. It does not. <laughs> Come for the games and stay for the chaos. I'm going first, it's me, Jackie Kasia. Man, she's always this bossy. Uh, hi. <laughs> I'm Lori Kilbarton. Uh, we're a bunch of stand-up comics and uh, we've been doing comedy like 60 years total, <laughs> both of us, but we look amazing. And, uh, out. We drop every Monday on Max Fun, and it's called The Jackie and Lori Show and you could listen to it and learn about comedy and learn about anger management and all the things. And Jackie is married but childless, and I'm unmarried but childful. So together, we make <laughs> one complete woman. Is that just what that going to end? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we try to make Kyle laugh just like that and say, oh, my God, every episode. It's a good job. Jackie and Lori Show, Mondays, only on Maximum Fun. Okay, it's time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. This is a rant. My child, my delightful two and a half as of this morning, toddler, has had some special needs. And so we have bed shared and we have been bottling him at night because that's how we get sleep. And that is our world and I love you people for not judging me about these things the way that some of my well-meaning but kind of pain in the ass friends do (laughs) and lately he has realized that he is a toddler and he has opinions and he has thoughts and sometimes those thoughts are it's three in the morning and I don't want to be asleep anymore Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna just slap mom until she gets up and we go downstairs and watch cartoons and so now I am sleep training and mm. night weaning a two-and-a-half-year-old, and, a half year old, and it, it's going just about as well as you could expect it to go. Um, it's like having an infant in my house again, except now the infant can kick me so hard that I bruise oh. and can slap me so hard that it stings and can scream at me so loud he terrifies the dogs. Oh. Yeah, and it's also – like having an infant in that the stress of this because we're like a week in now. I'm fucking lactating again, oh, y'all. Oh my god. What the fuck? My body can't even keep <sighs> my body is like what the hell's going on here? This is unacceptable. Yeah. And it is. Toddlers are unacceptable. They're cute <laughs> and they're delightful <laughs> and they're unacceptable <laughs> monsters with terroristic tendencies. And that they survive it all is a testament to our love and patience and hormones. 
<laughs> and now he's eating a blue sparkly crayon, so I have to go stop him before he starts getting <laughs> the rainbow. Okay, y'all. Good luck. We're doing a great job. Yes. Bye. Yes. You are doing a great job. Wow. All right. Okay. Let's just start. Let's just go to the beginning. We here at One Bed Mother have always been part of team. However, you and your child can get sleep is good. Okay. If that is co-sleeping, if that is sleep training, whatever the fuck sleep training means, if that is, I don't know, everybody having to sleep on a couch or a kid sleeping in like a stroller, I don't care. If it gets you sleep and it gets them sleep, I am very pro whatever that is. Like the lying that we talked about in the fail, yeah, it comes at a cost. And occasionally, the man comes to collect the rent, as it were. And in situations like this, where you do have to re-sleep train, and it does suck, and it's definitely not as easy with a toddler. I don't think sleep training is easy at all. So I would like to just state that for the record. But toddlers now can talk. They can move. No one wants to get hit at the crack ass of dawn. It's like (laughs) multiple issues, multiple things that suck all happening at once. Not getting sleep. That sucks. Getting hit or yelled at by a child really fucking sucks. It really takes us to like weird, deep, inner self-reflecting places, right? Where you're like, how did we come to this? Right? Like, (laughs) and you know, so I... I just want you to know I see you. And then comes the really fucked up unfair thing, and that is the lactating. I am with you. What the actual fuck? There have been times that something has happened in which I will feel my breasts feel like they're about, it's that sensation that like, here comes milk. And I'm like, is that about to really happen? Like, what the fuck is that? How did that get triggered? And so you're clearly in some sort of level of hell in which enough has happened to trigger this. And I am very sorry that that is happening for you right now. Yeah, all of it's just a shit show. And I I think it really just boils down to what you said. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. No one cares that it's unacceptable. You're not like, hey, guys, this is unacceptable right? Like to your family or your friends or strangers on the street, they're going to be like, not interested in this discussion. And again, all of the, let's just get real. All of this is actually pretty hard to talk about because everybody's got a fucking opinion. And even with the best of intentions, we can try to offer support that comes out making the person feel judged, which sucks. And it can make it really hard as a parent to know who you can feel comfortable talking to about this without feeling like you're suddenly going to get a whole slew of advice that you're not really looking for. We all just want to hear, that sucks, and you're doing a good job. So let me be very clear. That does, in fact, suck, and you're doing a really remarkable job. Okay, everybody. Let's... Take what we learned in the rant and just apply it to ourselves right now. It can really suck and uh, we're doing a good job. We have these moments, if you're lucky, sometimes daily, where you feel like I am seriously fucking everything up (laughs) or this feels legitimately impossible. Like a legitimate, like, is there a camera on me? Is somebody filming me to see if I actually am able to get through this because from where I stand, X, Y, and Z seems incredibly impossible. And there are children in your house. So whatever it is you're trying to get through, probably involving your children, they don't care. They're still there yelling at you, asking for things, interrupting you, just crying, crying. Maybe they got hurt. Maybe they're just crying because it's Monday. I, I really, at this point, it can be anything. And you're supposed to somehow think your way through it, which is just not possible, guys. So let's 
remind ourselves or let me remind you that you're correct that it's impossible and you're correct that it's hard and that you are correct that you are doing a good job. It's all about finding what works for you, your kid, your family, okay? And that's that's the heart of it. I just think you're all remarkable and you're doing a great job and the holidays are here. If you celebrate certain holidays, you know, good luck. I <laughs> I mean it. It's going to be stressful. If you don't, you still probably have kids out of school and that's no fun. I'm about to have over two weeks of the kids out of school and I have already forgotten everything that was pandemic lockdown related. Like I'm already back so quickly to the place where I'm like, can you go back to school now? What about now? How about now? How about now? I don't know what to do with you guys. Can I don't do this well. This is not my strong suit as a parent. So, yay! And I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye! I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blue. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.